All right, Bible and Daily Lifers, we are in Luke chapter 6. Now, there's an awful lot in this chapter. We're, some of the chapters, we make it through every verse and every topic. There's a lot here, so we'll see, we'll see how far we get in the 10 to 12 minutes that we have. It starts out this way, one Sabbath. Well, what's the Sabbath? The Sabbath for them was Saturday. The Lord told them six days they were supposed to do their work, and on the seventh day they were to rest. It was supposed to be a day of rest, that they would give it to the Lord and give it to their family and give it to rest and relaxation and just enjoy the Lord and enjoy their family and enjoy life. Well, one Sabbath. Uh, now, uh, let's, let's say this about the ancient world. Uh, these people had come out of slavery, and in that particular time, in, in that particular part of the world, the, the ancient world, people worked 12 hours a day, probably like constantly. And God told these people that he wanted them to take off a day. Well, you say, well, that's great, but, you know, I get off a couple of days. Well, you don't get off as many days as God gave them because he gave them off one day a week, and then he gave them all of these festivals. And some of these festivals would go on for quite some time. And then he told them that they were to take off every seventh year and let their fields rest. Every seventh year. You want to talk about a break. So you need, if you're in the union, you need to go back and tell your union steward that, hey, you know, in the ancient world, they used to get every seventh year off, <laughs> let alone the weekends. And so they would have these festivals plus the one day off. So the idea was that in the ancient world, God was going to set them apart and the Sabbath was going to show that they were set apart because everybody else is you know, working all the time because they're scared to death. If they're not working all the time, they're not going to have enough. Well, they were going to, to learn that God was their provider and they would rest on the Sabbath days. So um, there were rules about the Sabbath. There were certain things you weren't supposed to do. You weren't supposed to travel certain distances. You weren't supposed to do work. You weren't supposed to do a bunch of things. So one Sabbath day, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick heads of grain and rub them in their hands to eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, what are you doing? It's unlawful to do that on the Sabbath. Well, first of all, let's understand some of these ancient Hebrew laws from the Old Testament. One of them was for travelers. And for travelers, if they were traveling on the road and there was a field, they were allowed to go in the field and take some of that grain and eat that grain. Now, they couldn't put it in their pockets. They couldn't put it in baskets. They couldn't put it in bags. But it was a, 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 a rule where they would just follow those rules and it would take care of the travelers. Just a way of doing it. They also, when they went in to clean these fields... Once they cut everything down, they were supposed to leave the edges for the poor. So if you didn't have a field of your own, after somebody's field was harvested, you could go in and pick out whatever was left on the edges and whatever was left on the ground, which was an amazing system of care, of social care, because the people had to work for what they got, but it wasn't their field. But the people who owned the field were, by rule, by Old Testament rule, were supposed to leave it there for them. And so it's okay for Jesus and his disciples to be doing that. It's not that's what's unlawful. What they're saying is unlawful is that they shouldn't be working on the Sabbath. Well, they're eating, they're rubbing the heads of grain. Is that, is that working? Well, according to the Pharisees, the religious authorities, it was. Jesus is going to tell them that, that the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath day was given to them to be a day of rest and relaxation and refocusing and, uh, you know, spending time with God, spending time with family. And they had turned it into a big religious burden. 
So Jesus answered them in verse 3, and he said, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? This is funny that he says this to the religious leaders. He said, Have you never read? He's saying, Hey, don't you guys read your Bibles? <laughs> you know, you're supposed to be the authorities, and you've never read this in the Bible? What happened? That he entered the house of God, and he was taking the consecrated bread, and he ate what was lawful only for the priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. And Jesus said, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is the Lord of everything, including the Lord of the Sabbath. And so, you know, there are times for compassion, and compassion overrides these rules. But they didn't, they didn't see it that way. Well, on another Sabbath, verse 6, he went into the synagogue and he's teaching. Because he's always teaching, remember. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Now, this is sort of the equivalent of you being in church and Jesus comes into church and there's a man with a shriveled hand and you're sitting around to see if he's going to heal the guy in church on the Sabbath day. Because you're going to say if he heals, that's working. He shouldn't be working on the Sabbath day. You know, he should come back on Monday or something and make an appointment with the guy and you know, meet him at Dunkin' Donuts or something and heal him there. So they were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. That's the bad news. Circle that. Jesus knows what you're thinking. And he said to the man with the shriveled hand, he said, get up and stand in front of everybody. Let's just do this. Let's make it a public thing. He got up and he stood there. And then Jesus said to them, he asked the religious leaders, he said, I ask you, what's lawful to do on the Sabbath? Is it lawful to do good or to do evil? Is it lawful to save a life or to destroy it? And he looked around at all of them, looks at them. And then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. Wow. So he did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious, and they began to discuss with one another what they might do about Jesus. They want to get rid of Jesus because he's healing people. And he's healing on the Sabbath. He shouldn't be doing that. Wow, it's amazing how restrictive and how oppressive religion can become. That's why so often born-again people, born-again Christians, you know, talk about relationship versus religion. Well, what do you mean by that? Because it seems like you're a religious person, but it's about relationship. It's the relationship with God, not, not religion. Religion can be very oppressive, very restrictive, and, and really can be the enemy of life and the enemy of, of God even. So verse 12, uh, one of those days, Jesus went to the mountainside to pray. He spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose them. They're going to be designated apostles. And we'll find through the rest of the gospel, these are the guys. Simon, who he named Peter, gives him a new name. If you come to Christ, you're born again, have a new life. He gives you a new name, give you a new life. His brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew. You see, so this happened among families. This was a grassroots movement. Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called a zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So uh, moving forward, we don't have enough time to go into everything there. Um, but you, you have Jesus doing his, his famous Blessed are the Poor uh, sermon. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, blessed are the poor in spirit. When you recognize your spiritual poverty, that you can't do this on your own, you're blessed. He goes on and he talks about love for enemies. Uh, verse 27. 
But to you who are listening, I say this, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Wow, this is an upside down kingdom. Christians are the people who love everyone, everyone, even our enemies. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Amazing that you would pray for them. Not about them. We so often pray about them. But pray for them and love your enemies. This takes supernatural power. You need to get power from God if you're going to be able to love your enemies. If someone slaps you on the cheek, that would be sort of an insult. Turn the other one to them also. Wow. You kidding me? Let people do that to me? Someone takes your coat? I don't withhold your shirt from them. Whatever. Whatever. Give to everyone who asks, and if any ta one takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. Do unto others as you want them to do unto you. Living above the world, living above all you know, worldly charms. Jesus said, if you love only those who love you, what credit is that to you? Oh, I love people. Yeah, I love people who like me. <laughs> yeah, I love people who are good to me. Yeah, I love people who you know, give me things. He said, even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Anybody does that. But if you lend to those from whom you, ex you expect repayment, what, what credit is that to you? You lend money to people, you know they're going to give it back. Even sinners lend money to sinners expecting to be repaid in, in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get it back. Then your reward will be in heaven. Will be with God. And you'll be children of the Most High. Because he's kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Heavenly Father is merciful. This stuff is really sort of off the chain, out of control for most of us. Jesus is calling us to an upside-down kingdom. He's calling us to be kind to the ungrateful. He's calling us to show mercy to people. He goes on, verse 37, he says, Don't judge, and you won't be judged. Don't condemn, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Given, it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Guy led me to the Lord. Said you, you know, you can't, uh, you can't outgive God. <laughs> you can't outgive God. So he goes on and he talks about a tree bearing good fruit. Uh, verse forty-three: No tree bears a good tree doesn't bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree is recognized by its own fruit. He's talking about our lives. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good person brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, what's inside of me, what God has done inside of me. I've changed my life, transformed my life. It comes out. But an evil person brings out evil things. For the mouth speaks what's, what the heart is full of. You know, it eventually comes out of my mouth. He talks about the wise and the foolish builders. Let's just read this one, 46. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? As everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what he's like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and he laid the foundation on rock, built his house on a rock, a good foundation. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house, but it couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and doesn't put them into practice is like the person who built a house on the ground without a foundation, built his house on sand. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Building our house on that which is solid. Building our house on the confession of Jesus Christ as Lord. Reconciled relationship. 
born again, saved. I belong to God forever and ever and ever. I build on that foundation. It'll never fail. It will never fall. So Bible and Daily Life, find us wherever you find us. Find us on Spotify. Find us on Facebook, the Bible and Daily Life. Find us on YouTube. Uh, find us where podcasts are. You can find us all over the place. Find us wherever you found us. You found us here, find us on YouTube. Hey, bless you guys. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. Peace, grace, and mercy be unto you. Love you guys.